0: The PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. What if we could block a protein to stop runaway cell division? Dana-Farber Cancer Institute laid the foundation for CDK4-6 inhibitors, drugs designed to treat many advanced breast cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere.
1: Major funding for this podcast has been provided by Public Welfare Foundation and the Pulitzer Center.
0: Hey y'all, you're about to listen to episode four in a five-part series. If you didn't start from the beginning, trust me, it's going to make a lot more sense if you stop right here and go back to episode one.
2: We got 16,000 public defenders who are mad as hell, and they're not going to do it anymore.
0: That's Steve Hanlon. He's a lawyer who spent his career fighting systems for violating civil rights. And now he's trained his eye on the failures in the public defender system in America.
2: This is a disease, and it's going on for 50 years.
0: We've told you about some of the consequences for the clients in this system, but there are real consequences for public defenders too. Long hours, low pay, and the feeling that they're constantly failing the people they're trying to help. And the stress of the job is crushing them.
3: It hardens me up in a way that is uncomfortable. The only way that I feel like I can go through it mentally and emotionally is by dismissing certain functions of my job. And the reason for that is because if I don't, the emotional drain is impossible.
0: This has been public defense for decades, suffering from the same chronic issues. Too many clients, not enough lawyers, and despite dire warnings, not enough funding. At some
2: point when you get your face rubbed in the mud enough, you gotta, you gotta stand up fight back.
0: In the last few years, Steve has been trying to fight back, and for many reasons, he's taken that fight to Missouri.
2: Missouri is the epicenter of this whole movement to end this abandonment of the rule of law.
0: The question is, Can you fix something that's been broken for so long?
4: Do they have a nickname for public defenders? Oh yeah, yeah, they call them uh, public pretenders.
3: These are my docket cases, probation.
2: I have 119 open cases.
3: 131 open cases. Hey, here's your 200
1: cases. You have court in 20
3: minutes, it's across the street, go.
2: I feel the
3: stress of 150 souls on my back. And you know that some of them are slipping through the cracks.
1: Hello, this is a free call from Ricky. I 100% believe that I'm in prison today because of the Missouri Public Defender System.
0: This is Broken Justice, a show from the PBS NewsHour about the public defender system in Missouri and what it tells us about justice in America. I'm Amna Navaz.
4: And I'm Frank Carlson.
1: From news headlines to analysis, millions of people rely on the context, independence, and balance the NewsHour offers. Watch, read, follow the NewsHour on broadcast and online every night.
0: So, Frank, Steve Hanlon, how did you first hear about him?
4: Well, when I first started reporting this story, I kept seeing Steve's name come up. He's a lawyer in his late 70s, and he represents thousands of other lawyers across the country as general counsel for the National Association for Public Defense. And he's also a major critic of this system.
2: Everybody has agreed that we will abandon the rules for lawyers for this population of primarily black and brown people. You cannot do mass incarceration unless the whole justice system rolls over and plays dead. This will be the legacy of my generation of lawyers to the next generation of lawyers, unless we put an end to it. Steve's
4: also someone who thinks he has an idea for how to fix it.
2: I think we have thought at the problem, but I do not think we have thought through the problem. And I think we have used the wrong law And I think we have used the wrong facts.
4: See, for years, Steve and groups like the American Civil Liberties Union and the Southern Poverty Law Center have been trying to address the problems of public defense across the country, primarily through lawsuits, suing states and local governments for failing to adequately represent clients.
0: The ACLU has filed a class-action federal lawsuit on behalf of suspects who can't afford their own lawyers. The American Civil Liberties Union of Idaho says the state's public defense system is broken, and it's taking Idaho to court to prove it.
4: They've been saying, look, these clients had terrible representation from their public defenders. And that's mainly because there wasn't enough money in the system. In fact, right now, the ACLU has an open lawsuit against Missouri's public defender system saying exactly that. The ACLU of Missouri just filed this lawsuit today against the state
3: over a lack of money from the state for people who can't afford a lawyer.
4: In many cases, these lawsuits force state and local governments to improve their systems. But Steve thinks those reforms don't go nearly far enough, and that it's been too easy for the systems to eventually backslide to the status quo.
0: So what does he think we should do?
4: Well, for starters, he thinks you have to define the problem not with anecdotes or stories about individual clients, but with some objective measure to prove that the system is actually overloaded.
0: So how do you do that? How do you objectively prove that the system is overloaded?
4: You need data. You need to figure out how many cases a public defender can actually manage.
0: Okay, so how do you figure that out?
4: Right, it's not easy. We've heard a lot of public defenders talking about their caseloads.
0: 131 open cases.
2: I
4: have over 100 cases. I have 95 open cases right now. Different kinds of cases take different amounts of time. Like a murder is generally going to take a lot longer than a probation violation. So Steve says what you actually need to know is the number of hours a public defender should be spending on each kind of case. Because public defenders, like everyone else, only have so many hours in a day. So Steve thought if you could just figure out a standard number of hours each kind of case required, Public defenders could use those to draw a line in the sand and to say, no more. So Steve recruited a St. Louis accounting firm to come up with this standard number of hours any defense attorney, public or private, should be spending on each kind of case.
2: For sex felony, they needed to do 63.8. For juvenile, they needed to do 19.4. For probation violation, they needed to do 9.8.
4: And to no one's surprise, Missouri public defenders weren't spending nearly enough hours on their cases.
2: For higher-level felony, they were doing, I can't believe this, 8.7. They needed to be doing 47.6.
0: So Steve had his numbers, and they were way off. So then what?
4: Well, Steve thought Missouri's public defenders could use these numbers in at least two ways. One was to convince the state to give them more money to hire more lawyers. And another was to convince the courts that they couldn't take on any more cases. So judges and prosecutors would then have to figure out what to do. So let's talk about the money first.
3: In order to provide constitutionally effective representation in all our cases, for all our clients, we would need about 300 more lawyers at a cost of about $20 million.
4: That's Michael Barrett. He took over as the head of Missouri's public defender system after Steve's study was completed. And in 2016, he used Steve's numbers to launch a crusade, starting with state lawmakers. He wanted every cent that Steve Hanlon's calculation said he needed, another $20 million to hire 300 more lawyers, or a 50% increase in his budget.
0: Okay, a 50% budget increase is huge. Did Missouri lawmakers buy that?
4: They actually kind of did. They said, okay, these workload numbers seem real, but we don't have $20 million to give you. How about $4.5 million instead? Michael said, okay, that's a good start, and the legislature passed that increase.
0: Okay, so he gets $4.5 That's definitely not $20 million, but it sounds like it's a small win.
4: Well, it was, until Jay Nixon, the Democratic governor, said not so fast. He blocked almost all of that increase. And Michael was pissed.
3: Here we are. We finally get some funding. And then the governor doesn't want us to have it.
4: Okay, and here comes this big dramatic moment, Amna. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. But remember, it's dramatic by lawyer standards. Okay, I'm
0: tempering my expectations. <laughs> Go ahead.
4: Michael Barrett had this obscure power to assign a case to anyone in the state with a law license, to essentially turn anyone into a public defender for a single case, and so he assigned one to the governor.
0: A bitter budget battle in Missouri going to a new level last week.
4: Missouri Governor Jay Nixon has just been recruited to be a state public defender.
0: Wait, so after the governor blocked his funding, Michael Barrett assigns him to work as a public defender? That's some serious trolling.
4: Yeah, it was something. Here he was, the top official in the state and the former attorney general, being told that he was going to have to represent a poor client. You knew that
3: would, that would upset him. I, what is he going to do, not fund us?
0: I mean, the man's got a point, right? So what happened?
4: Well, a court eventually ruled that Michael didn't have the power to assign the governor case. Only a judge could do that. And so the governor didn't have to represent that poor client.
3: I wanted to bring attention to this matter because so many people are being incarcerated without competent representation.
4: Michael got the attention he wanted, and he used it to rally his troops and to say to the world, people's constitutional right to a lawyer is being violated day in and day out, and we're gonna try everything we can think of to change that.
3: Here's what I don't get. I was in the military, and I, I certainly served alongside people that went off and died and spent years in the desert. So that we can enjoy these constitutional rights only to come home and have some guy in a suit take it away from us. And it's shocking to people when we're not okay with that. What am I missing here?
0: Those guys in suits, as Michael Barrett calls them, though the people who were refusing to provide more funding, what do they say about all this?
4: Well, in public, they're generally supportive of public defense. Here's former Missouri governor Eric Greitens in his 2017 State of the State address. I believe in the Sixth Amendment, which guarantees the right to a fair trial and adequate legal representation for all. But then, when it comes to actually providing the funding public defenders say they need, well, that's a different story.
3: According to next year's budget, the governor plans to cut $1 million from public defenders.
4: For decades, reports have found Missouri near the bottom of the pile for public defense funding across the country. And so far, nobody has put up the money to change that. Under the last few governors, funding for public defenders hasn't increased in a way that would meaningfully address this caseload crisis. We reached out to the current governor, Mike Parson, the House budget chair, Cody Smith, the former governor, Jay Nixon, And they either didn't respond to our request or declined to comment on this issue.
0: Okay, so Michael Barrett wasn't getting anywhere, trying to get more funding. But what about the other option Steve Hanlon proposed, taking the fight to the judges?
4: Well, that was happening too. Public defenders across the state were trying to use Steve Hanlon's data in the courts to refuse cases. The state law said that in order to refuse cases, public defenders needed to convince the presiding judge in their district that they were overloaded. But in most cases, even with the new data, judges weren't buying it.
2: It's silly, it's, it's ridiculous.
4: Judges wouldn't tell me this on the record, but Dwight Scroggins, a former prosecutor in Buchanan County, Missouri, echoed what a lot of judges believe about public defenders.
2: I think they benefit if they can convince people that they are in crisis. I think they spend too much time trying to make the case that we're in crisis and we need more money and more attorneys and too little time trying to do more with what they have.
0: Well, what does he mean by that, do more with what they have?
2: Well,
4: some critics argue that there really isn't a crisis in public defense at all, that public defenders just need to learn to be more efficient at their jobs.
0: And what does that mean exactly?
4: Well, one of the suggestions you hear a lot is that public defenders should do something called horizontal representation.
0: OK, I'm asking this a lot, but what does that mean exactly?
4: <laughs> right. It sounds complicated, but it just means that they wouldn't follow a single case from the beginning to the end like they do now. Instead, there'd be a different public defender for every stage of a case, one for pretrial motions, one who worked on the bond hearing, one who took the case to trial and so on.
0: Hmm. Oh, well, what's wrong with that strategy?
4: Well, Michael Barrett says it's basically just processing people accused of crimes, not actually representing them.
3: Do me a favor, call up a firm, talk to any of those lawyers and say, explain to me the virtues of horizontal versus vertical representation. They'll say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It is a made up term for the idea that in the public defender world, defendants don't have a lot of value. And so they shouldn't have an attorney who represents them from the beginning of their case to the end of their
4: case.
0: But if defendants have a lawyer at every step of the process, how is that not representation?
4: Well, you know when you lose your luggage at the airport and you have to go to that little room at baggage claim?
0: I am very familiar with that room.
4: (laughs) Right. Well, Michael compares horizontal representation to that. That poor woman who gets yelled at
3: when the person gets off the plane, and the luggage is not there. They go in the room, and they say, where the hell is my luggage? You know why she's calm? She's not responsible for it. She wasn't in charge of putting it on the plane. She wasn't in charge of taking it off the plane. She knows it's not her responsibility. You have four or five different attorneys in the office pointing fingers at each other. No one's held accountable. And so, yeah, it would be efficient. Heck, it would be efficient if we cut a window in the side of the courthouse and just drove through with our client and took a plea and drove off. That would be efficient, too. But it's not constitutionally effective.
0: Okay, so public defenders aren't buying that idea. And judges weren't buying Steve's numbers or the premise that public defenders were overloaded. They're basically at a stalemate.
4: Yeah. And public defenders didn't know it then, but the stakes
1: were about to get a lot higher. For the best in arts and culture, check out the NewsHour's Canvas website at artscanvas.org. There you can engage with high-quality art and elevate the work of recognized and -and up-and-coming artists. It's a space where you, the public, can interact and share ideas for arts and cultural content. Canvas. Online, on Twitter, and on Facebook.
4: In the fall of 2017, something, or I should say someone, brought this tension between public defenders and the courts to a head. Carl Hinkebine. Carl would be very mad at me for
3: even talking about him. To say he shied away from any fanfare would be the understatement of the decade.
4: Carl died earlier this year, and so Michael Barrett, then the head of Missouri's public defender system, told us his story. Carl was the consummate public servant. Like so many of his colleagues, Carl was handling a lot of cases—way more than he should have been. And then he got very sick. He had health problems
3: for a number of years, and he even spent a long time in a hospital. And so Carl, just being a workhorse, who took the more complicated cases,
4: would just continue to do the work. But Carl was falling behind. He was missing deadlines that couldn't be missed. And he wasn't talking to his clients to tell them what was happening with their cases. There's the
3: world's best juggler who can do whatever, 15, 20 balls, but then throw 10 extra balls his way and suddenly doesn't look like the world's best juggler anymore. Uh, And as good a lawyer or juggler as Carl was, um, no one could handle that many cases.
4: Ultimately, the office responsible for oversight of lawyers in the state charged Carl with neglecting six clients and missing deadlines. And in 2017, the Missouri State Supreme Court heard that case. Here's the lawyer representing that office. In this case, it's undisputed that the respondent breached these ethical duties and responsibilities to numerous clients.
0: What did Carl say in in his his defense?
4: He pretty much said, yeah, I did miss these things. Here's his attorney arguing on his behalf.
0: The problems uh, that occurred in this case resulted
2: from an attorney with severe and chronic physical health problems coupled with a broken public defender system.
4: Essentially, Carl tried to argue that there was a double standard, one for private attorneys and another for public defenders like him. Because private attorneys could turn down cases, public defenders felt that they couldn't. But in his hearing, one of the state Supreme Court judges said that was no excuse.
1: Because when they take the oath to follow the rules of professional responsibility, sometimes that means not taking a case, and sometimes that means taking a different job.
0: Wait, taking a different job? It sounds like the judge is saying if he couldn't handle the cases, he should have just quit?
4: That's exactly right.
0: Wow, so what did they rule?
4: Well, they put Carl on probation. If he violated that, he'd lose his law license. And a few months later, while still on probation, he ended up retiring. I remember when that happened, it wasn't just this office. shockwaves through every office in the entire state. For public defenders across the state, how the court handled Carl's case felt like the rug had just been pulled out from underneath them.
0: We thought you had our backs. If, if I can lose my license over this, I'm out.
3: I don't consider myself a martyr, and I, I don't mean to sacrifice my entire life and profession and law degree so that I can help support and be complicit in a system that does not seem to care much for the people
1: that I'm working for. Wait a minute, this is our bar licenses that are on the line, right? This this is our livelihoods that are on the line.
0: So you've got public defenders who are already at capacity and can now back that up with hard numbers, trying to turn down more cases with trial judges. And then the judges, for the most part, are saying, no, they can't do that. And then the state Supreme Court says, hey, public defenders, we're going to hold you responsible if you miss something in any of these cases. And on top of that we might take away your law license? Exactly. Wow. Okay, so we started this episode with Steve Hanlon, that numbers guy who's trying to fix this broken system in Missouri with data. But now, even with that data, at least for the public defenders, things seem to be getting worse, not better.
4: That's exactly what I thought. But Steve told me that this is just part of a process of beginning to hold people accountable for how the system actually works. And he says it's been broken for so long that changing it is going to require some painful but necessary steps. And that's gonna take time.
2: The night is always darkest right before the dawn. So are we at dawn? Are we at midnight? Are we at
4: 3:30 in the morning? Where where how close to dawn are we?
2: If I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, Frank. <laughs>
4: Steve talks in terms of decades, not years, and he looks to cases like the long fight to desegregate the schools, which culminated in Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. And he points out that even when major cases like those are won, the forces on the other side don't just quit. The fight goes on. In fact, some recent reports have found that school segregation in the U.S. over the last couple decades is beginning worse, not better.
2: So let's all keep in mind here. Even in our greatest dreams, they're going to push back. Let's not kid ourselves, okay?
4: He also says this goal, to get more money to hire more lawyers to represent all these clients, it isn't the only solution. It's not even the best one.
2: You can give us more lawyers. We can make the system bigger. And that's called the supply-side solution. And then there's the demand-side solution. And that means stop prosecuting all this low-level stuff that's really mental illness and addiction and that sort of thing.
0: In the next episode of Broken Justice, we'll explore that approach in St. Louis County, where one prosecutor is shaking up the system from his side, which might end up actually helping public defenders, too
3: look, we have limited resources. We'd rather reallocate and focus our resources on the serious and violent offenders.
0: Plus, Ricky Kidd, serving life in prison without the possibility of parole, finally gets another day in court.
1: I'm aware of the percentage of cases that are won
4: and lost, but I always just, I have to wake up every day believing that this is it.
0: That's on the next episode of Broken Justice. Broken Justice is hosted by me, Amna Nawaz. Reported by Frank Carlson and produced by Vika Aronson. Editing by Erica R. Hendry and Emily Carpo. Engineering by Tom Satterfield. Production assistance from Chris Ford. Fact-checking by Maya Linnae Bura, Amber Partita, and Harry Zahn. Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Seguira composed our theme music. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. Sarah Just is our executive producer. Let us know what you think of the show and send your questions to podcasts at newshour.org. Tweet us at NewsHour and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. And check out the show extras on our website. That's pbs.org slash newshour slash podcasts.